so what well, I sent you there. Oh, yeah, no, it just it just ended up that uh, that we just ran out of time and I needed to go get beer instead. Okay, well. Also, how crazy is it when you're going to your parents' house to uh, make sure that their Nest thermostat and whatever other version they have is uh, online? Yeah, uh, kind of like Facebook, we... We spent years convincing the elder folk to get on said platform. Now all the young people are either not adopting it, getting off. And now we're like, no, come back off of Facebook. Yeah. Full circle. Seriously. I was uh, coaching, uh, I guess, what do you call it? It's their incubator program. So think shark tank for high school kids. And uh, I was coaching them on website stuff. And I was talking about the importance of a, a Facebook presence as part of the digital mix. And they were like, uh, are, and I was like, wait a minute, are you guys even on Facebook anymore? And half of them were not. But they understood the importance because the older folks still are. So Maybe that's the life cycle because, you know, we saw it with MySpace, you know, it's cool, it's hip, everyone on it. And then poof, it's dead. What was up with MySpace? Why did it die? Uh, Facebook ate it, ate did its it, lunch. Did it get killed by Facebook? I think so, because there was, you know, MySpace was working, and then it kind of got ridiculous, because you could go to your profile and just do anything you wanted with, like, CSS and themes, and you could just, like, completely rearrange everything. And then Facebook offered a bit more of expectation of, okay, I'm going to go here for this, going to go here for that. And the people on there aren't like DJ Snake 772's profile. It's, it's Bob Baby Bars. And I think, I think the world was ready for that. And now I think the world's ready for, okay, you know way too much about me. Can I go back to being DJ Snake 777 where you don't know who I am anymore? Well, did you get on there because of music? Was that like your gateway into MySpace? Because you were a music guy. Uh, yes, but no. I'm sure it had to do with women, chicks. I'm really? Totally, See, I'm I missed sure. the whole. I missed the whole dating aspect of social media. I'm, sometimes I'm just so dumb. Um, we. I don't think we had the term social media when MySpace was a thing. I think that like True. that was like a let's put a moniker on what that what the hell that was a few years ago, you know, when Twitter was coming on board and, and you know, stuff like that. So um, I don't, I don't know that I ever actually got a date cause I was either, Oh man, I was <laughs> single in 2004, but then not in 2005. I'm trying to think of when MySpace like was like in its golden era. I remember getting in trouble in the military for having a MySpace page because um, back the then national security. Yeah. Uh, yeah-ish. It's called op- operational security. Basically, they didn't want us posting pictures from Iraq and, you know, war zones because you're disclosing operational details. So just having one and like updating it uh, was a no-no. So who knows? Maybe the war on terror killed MySpace <laughs> to some degree. I literally had a cup of coffee on MySpace. Like it just never had any kind of mass appeal to me because maybe I didn't really know how it all worked back then. Because, I mean, that really was in the early days of my getting engaged with digital online technology, too. I don't know. Mm. But you know what? What a 
What a crazy, like, unplanned, natural segue into what we wanted to talk about today. So I'm just going to kick it off. You ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. You are listening to The Bob and Kevin Show with Bob Beatty Bar and Kevin Gieszewski. Each week, we cover relevant tech and social issues related to technology. And more weeks than not, we're joined by special guests to add additional perspective to our topics. Our website is bobandkevin.show. And our episodes can be found on virtually any podcast network. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for Bob and Kevin Show. What are we doing today? Well, Kevin, I, I think from what we were talking about earlier today, and we actually um, we put a shout out on the on the tweeters, and uh, we actually had some we had to actually had a fan response to uh, a call we put out to what do we want to talk about? What do you want to hear us talk about today? And somebody brought up uh, the concept of upgrading to the latest and greatest version of X software, and uh, we really. You know, Kevin jumped in, he's a great, uh, great social media manager. And he said, maybe what the broader issue is, is, you know, how we upgrade things in general. And, and I, I think we're going to talk a little bit about when is it time? Why would you upgrade? And kind of when is it not time? And we're going to talk about a bunch of different areas, I think, about upgrades, because we just talked about MySpace and we kind of upgraded to Facebook. So who determines that? Do we determine that? Do the companies determine that? Does social but anyway enough about what we're gonna talk about i'm bob from the bob and kevin show and that other guy's voice you heard in the cold open was i am kevin yes and we're we're batting a thousand in 2019 for kevin identifying himself so (laughs) so this i mean i feel like this is weird that we've never talked about this oh also full disclosure kevin in true kevin form just dropped like science and social uh stuff like social science studies about early adoption a couple articles just in our our team slack chat right before we went on there and my immediate response was oh my god can't we just talk about this but so tell (laughs) us a little bit about the articles that you posted so they're pretty famous it has to do with uh it's called the diffusion or diffusions of innovations which is a theory basically it breaks down how people view um progress when we adopt technology. You can be an uh, early innovator, you can be an early adopter, you can be the early majority, the late majority, or a laggard. Think of it as a bell curve. What's most uh, interesting is at the top of that bell curve is um, where the late and early majority meet. And at the very top of that, the market share is 50% typically. So right when your early majority transitions to your late majority, you've already got about a 50% market share. So um, planning when you drop a new release um, is important, um, and uh, we'll talk more about that. So, Bob, you've seen the chart there. Where would you place yourself in general? Because it, it depends with air quotes, you know, what we're talking about. Yeah, um, it's, it's a total spectrum depending on the technology that we're talking about. Um, so, in, in general, if I say, hey, you want to, you know, there's something new out there, you're going to go, ugh. Okay, or you're going to say, cool, I'm on it. Of course, it depends if it's the new Apple Watch or if it's uh, upgrading your content management system. But in general, do you feel like you can label yourself where you would fall in this chart? 
I would say there's an ideal and then there's a real. I, I think for sure in my ideal mind's eye, I want to be closer to that early adopter. I, I'm definitely not an innovator. Um, I'd like to be closer to that early adopter, but I think in reality, especially as I grow and mature or age, I don't know if there's there's not congruencies there, but um, I, I tend to, I'm not a laggard, but I, I'm definitely probably closer to the top of the curve than either end. So I've been calling more conservative on early adoption as I age. In general, I would call myself part of the late majority, um, mostly because I want everyone else to go through the pain. Um, the biggest one I can think of is .NET Core uh, version one. I'm glad I totally missed it. Totally missed it. And I'm glad because they're on .NET Core 2.0 and apparently it's air quotes better, which great. <laughs> uh, but I just, I ain't got time to beta test an entire framework um, when I have bills to pay. So, well, Okay, so here's the interesting thing. So we've got, you know, so we're talking about software right now, but you know, there's also things like, let's say uh, the voice activated technology or my affinity for uh, network connected speakers, not Bluetooth. Mm. But then you have this other realm. So you've got your cell phones, and cell phones, I would probably say I'm, I'm probably as close to the early adopter as of anything else that I'm involved in, except maybe the speaker thing. But you have a bunch of apps on your phone. And those apps, like when I think of adoption, it's not just the initial adoption of the technology, because we talked about upgrades a little bit in the, in the open too. And I, like, I don't like, I feel like sometimes on cell phones, you get into this groove where you see, oh, you have 12 software updates. And so you just run them. Like, you know, and it updates app A, app B, app C. And sometimes, just like any other piece of software you can think of, those upgrade releases sometimes are just shit. Or they include a completely new experience like Slack today, totally new logo, uh, a different shade of purple that keeps throwing my eye off every time. I'm like, what is different about this purple? I'm like, oh, it's, you know, and I noticed, I think yesterday, but I didn't notice a logo till today. But yeah, I think all of our app updates are going to just be the dot latest for your OS. And I think we're, we're all, I don't even think we have a choice. <laughs> it's basically, are you on Wi-Fi? If so, upgrade, go. Yeah, I, I do actually still execute, like, so I get the notification in the app store that there's 12, 12 apps that require an update or could be updated. But it's weird that I'm saying require an update because I don't think that that's necessarily true. But anyway, you feel compelled to click the icon, click update all, and then just blindly you know, take I, it. Yeah, and I think a lot of times as consumers, that plays way far past just apps on your phone. Like when Outlook updates, you know, you're like, oh, good, shiny new Outlook. But is that necessarily true? If you're happy with what Outlook's doing right now for you, then why do you? Why do we upgrade? Well, why do we upgrade, Kevin? Tell me why. I think the biggest driver. There's two drivers. Number one is security, because every time I get an update, I gotta think that there's some sort of fix in the release note somewhere, which I'm not gonna read. Right <laughs> there, you go. <laughs> because I'm just gonna hit. Yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, um, update. And then uh, second would be um, new features. Now, the one that just gets me like weekly and I'm just like, gosh, are you kidding me? Is Visual Studio. 
as soon as I upgrade Visual Studio, I'm like, yay, I've done it. And like two hours later, I get a new flag in the top right. There's a new point release for your Visual Studio. I'm like, are they watching me? Are, are, do they know that I just downloaded? Because I have to go to the coffee shop to get a decent pipe. I can't, can't do all this stuff from home, right? So, um, uh, you know, ugh, it just bothers me. And then SQL Server Management Studio is the other one. I'm like, because that one's a real pain in the ass to upgrade. It's like I a dropped 100 that meg download minimum. I got rid of that because of that exact. I was like, there's wow. got to be a better way. And then I just stopped managing SQL databases. So there you go. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's considered a better way. That's that's more like the ostrich burying its head in the sand. Like, eh, not my problem. I don't see the problem. But that's no, the big it's, one. It's my, it's my, um, it's my, uh, what's that new con Murray or it's not, uh, it's a, it's a way of, if it doesn't bring you joy, you get rid of it. Oh, I don't know. This is, this is oh, I went to a seminar that. about it last yeah. night. It's a cleaning, it's a tidying thing, but you can apply it to anything. And so I decided to do that with SQL Management Studio. It didn't bring me joy, so I got rid of it. <laughs> so I'm totally meandering, but so just bear Surprise. with me. Here. So if we look at NuGet packages, do you NuGet, Bob? I, I, I have done some nougat things. Okay. So typically, <laughs> although I'm actually side tangent, super afraid of nougat things because of dependencies. Oh, of course. Because you're just like, yeah, sure, give it to me. Right. Well, see, that's the thing. On nougat, we don't just take things. Typically, we take the minimum of what we want and call it good, and which is good and bad. It's good because now I don't get any additional problems coming, but bad because I have problems that I don't know I have because there's a security problem. <laughs> and I didn't think twice or ever again about this NuGet package because it does what I need to do, albeit it's probably exposing some sort of huge security vulnerability. So that's bad. Oh, and don't get it, don't get me started on uh, NPM or Node because... Um, yeah, that pulls a bunch of shit too, right? Oh, just the, the dependency graph on those is ridiculous. However, I will give them props because when you do an npm install it does warn you it does tell you dude this the, you're using a version that's jacked up you need to upgrade oh and meandering even further <laughs> github started analyzing your package.config and things like that yes. and starts sending you emails now if and it's saying corrupt. hey dude you need yeah or or, or if it's vulnerable, vulnerable. hey dude yeah, yeah. Dude, you need to upgrade this. Don't say we didn't tell you. We have an email trail, basically. It's like, or oh. when you're working as part of a team, actually, pause. It's very important at this time to note that the thoughts and opinions of the hosts, Bob and Kevin, of the Bob and Kevin show are solely and exclusively the thoughts and opinions of Bob and Kevin and not their employers or anyone else that they happen to do work with. Back. Okay, so especially when you're on a team, and you're in a team environment and someone commits to a repo and then you get the email that something that they committed has a dependency that has a vulnerability in it that's way down the chain and you're like, oh man, I didn't even want that even used in our project anyway. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, all right. So we're covering a lot of spectrum here. Um, so I think it's in general, we're all kind of lazy when it comes to upgrading our software dependencies like internally. We are not necessarily willing participants on our phones. We get v.latest no matter what. Um, but is that because we're lazy or because we become sheep? I, well, I think it's because that's the way the, the mobile uh, OSs are designed. You right, know? okay. But that brings up another point, though, because there's a lot of softwares out there that are employing the same kind of philosophy, though. Um, release early, release often. 
So you're, you're constantly being put in this decision tree of like, do I do it now or do I wait? So we, we used to yell at Microsoft in our minds, at least, gosh, you're so enterprise. You have Visual Studio and you pick a year. Oh, wait, they still name it like that. Anyway, you have some software package and you affix a year to it. And you're like, oh, that's SharePoint 2014 or whatever, you know, and that means next year we'll get a new SharePoint, but not till next year. Microsoft's kind of turned the corner on that where they're releasing fast and furiously. So they almost feel like they're, they're doing it like the OS. But Microsoft, I got to tell you, you've been shipping some sloppy stuff lately, uh, especially on Azure. You know, I love Azure, love DevOps, stuff like that. But need the QA team to uh, catch up or something there. But anyway. But do you is, think that's symptomatic, symptomatic of cloud infrastructure in general? Because really, we're, when we're doing stuff in that environment, it's almost like we're willing participants in a never-ending beta. Um, correct. I, I would consider almost all open source a never-ending beta. Yeah, but Azure's not open source, though, is it? Um, it depends on open source in some respects. I was looking at the DevOps uh, third-party software disclosure the other day. Somebody tweeted out, and it was page after page after page of we use Angular, we use this, we use this, all these uh, third-party like the lists. OS. Uh. Right. So, you know, you go, you go use that slick UI in Azure or DevOps, you think they're using their own framework? No, they're not. They, you know, they rightly, in my opinion, are using crowdsourced, open-source stuff. But when there's a vulnerability that comes out, don't be surprised that, you know, there's a vulnerability in Azure or something like that. It's probably their dashboard more than anything. Everything else is more proprietary, but I'm not surprised. And yes, we, I think we live in that perpetual beta. And I think you have two extremes, either wait for the enterprise to turn the aircraft carrier or play in the virtual it's never finished software game. Yeah, but you have enterprise companies that are starting to more than just dip their toe in the water of this virtual beta environment, you know, because big boys are hopping in, big boys and big girls, big big entities, sorry. And big things. Big things are jumping into this. And they're, I mean, there's some pretty big assets on the line in those in those situations. I like the wordplay there, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Unintentional. Um, so Adobe Creative Cloud, um, they're big. They're constantly pushing updates. My Photoshop, my, my Premiere, my whatever is constantly got an update. But I like that because I remember the days of my non-subscription Adobe Photoshop where, hey, look at that. It's got a bug in it. And you go to the forum and they're like, yeah, it's got one. And that's it. Check back <laughs> in closed. months. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. We're going to release Adobe, whatever, next, you know, on this date and you can upgrade. It's like, wait, you aren't going to fix this one? Nope. Sure aren't. <laughs> we, we're moving on. So that's a toughie. I mean, that's a business model decision, right? Right. But then, okay, so let's talk about, let's talk about the reputation management of software companies that do this release early release often and what happens when the reputation of the entity becomes damaged because everyone knows or everyone comes to know that the first release number like let's say that it's not a dot 
like let's say that it's a you know well all right so not not a well yeah it's a ma- it's a major version if it could be a major it. version or it could almost what's the first one after like what if it's like three major dot minor one? major minor uh, patch is right okay so you get the reputation where everyone's encouraged to be laggards because your majors and your minors you always know that there's a patch coming right after it like within hours like um that's i got a lot of fatigue for that we have we have some experience with with you know some things like that that that's definitely happened yeah <laughs> right but it, but and i'm not singling out any one organization i think it happens a lot you know like uh creative cloud doesn't put numbers with theirs but you can almost bet money that when you're told via creative cloud that there's a new you know like a minor mm-hmm. in 24 to 48 hours sometimes maybe it lags almost a week but then there's another upgrade quickly following well, I think Apple is the king of flops lately of iOS problems. Oh, yeah. Know. Here's 12. It's all got these great features. Oh, wait. Two days later, 12.1. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, wait. Two days all later, right. 12.2. Um, 13 hours later, 12.22. <laughs> so I think it has a lot. To, the reputation has a lot to do with how quick is it can I deliver a new version. So to upgrade iOS is not a non-trivial thing. At least it was wasn't easy i don't know if it is is it bob let me ask you you've got an iphone i don't you push a button and you walk away i mean okay so i and it does take time i mean it's not you have to kind of plan it but you just push the button and walk away and it's a big download right oh god yeah it's usually hundreds of megabytes even for even for a dot release so pushing one button i'm not sure it gets much easier than that so let's put that as a data point if you slide to the other end of the spectrum where you have to, um, it's more intensive, meaning I've got to download, say, a NuGet package, rebuild, push it up, test it out, make sure everything works, perform a deployment. Now you've cost me money, right? I, I didn't just push a button. I Somebody goofed up, we get it, but now it's cost money, especially in the form of time. Right. It's like, oh, I guess for the next two hours, you know, downloading this, it's just it's something simple. But, uh, you know, our internal processes, you know, require that I get these three sign offs before I can push to production, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, So I think if if you're pushing one button, great. If you have to go through all these wickets in a giant enterprise company, I think that's when the managers kind of do the eye roll at and go, oh, are you kidding me? Didn't we just release here? We're supposed to be working on the next insert feature here. And now we've got to do this emergency thing. Oh, by the way, it's Friday. Uh, you know, so yeah. I think your reputation has a lot to do with how, how is it, how easy is it for the end user to recover and upgrade, I think. I think that's a function. Well, and I think if you're giant and your user base has become dependent upon your technology, you get a lot more leeway because of that dependency. But if you are small to midsize, and I think that reputation, it could cause people to walk away if they're, so, not, if they're not happy with that waste of time and then two days later, a dot comes out or 24 hours, a dot comes out. All right. So for the moment, let's set aside somebody goofs and there's a, a new dot. Let's say there's a planned major version release. So right. Yeah. Big, I was going to cross through this too. Yeah. Good. 
big deal guys or something cool coming we 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 did this we did that we have all these cool features but there's these breaking changes and there's no upgrade path um what do you think the adoption rate is on that i think the younger that the project is the younger the the user base is and i don't mean age i mean like just in the the life cycle of a, a software company so like let's say that you're talking about tens of thousands possibly hundreds of thousands of users i feel like your user base is going to adopt that new technology faster given the parameters of no upgrade path all that kind of good stuff mm-hmm. but i think if you have a more mature user base you're starting to get you know close to those you know you're starting to measure your users in millions they're going to become more set in their ways with the prior version and they're probably going to have, and I'm thinking specifically from my like web development and deployment background, you're going to have much more, many more projects reliant upon that previous version that you're not going to want to, you're not going to want to orphan your own knowledge base by moving on to the more advanced product because you still have to service all those other ones. And if there's no upgrade path, it's not like you're going to go on a sales mission and convince all those other partners that they need to upgrade to latest and greatest as well. So I think right there, let's, let's imagine you've built a business and you depend on one particular technology or it's 80% of your business, which you and I know a lot of companies who Heck yeah. have that model. Eggs in basket. And between me and you and whoever might be listening, that those three other people, that's scary. And much like diversifying your financial portfolio, I would not want to build a business on, the, on another business's success directly. Maybe 30% of my business, 40%, maybe up to 50%, sure. But man, we have to diversify just in case. Now, that aside... When, when you're more than 50%, maybe you're 75 or 100% in and the technology you depend on says we are, we are moving on, we are doing new stuff, it's all great, here's some marketing sizzle, look at this, ta-da, ooh, ooh la la, all that stuff. You don't have a choice, do you? Yes, you do have a choice. Ah, and what is that choice? You can stick with what makes you happy. Or, you don't have to upgrade. Yes, but then you're are then you start having this existential crisis as a company, guys. All the other people are using V dot next, and we are using V dot previous. Yes, but I mean that's when you have to create that matrix and look at the pros and cons. Like, what does the new sizzle get you? It might get you growth professionally and personally. Um, it might get you some features, but unless you have a need for that feature, I guess if you can't, if you're, if it's not broke, why do you fix it? Well, if I'm I, a sales- I understand why the company has to fix it right. to grow and get new sales, reach new audiences. But if I'm utilizing a spork, if I bought a spork on amazon.com and I love the way that that spork works, it totally gets food in my belly, both liquid and chunky. Then why do I have to get Spork 2.0? Well, when you send me a link of uh, <laughs> Spork 2.0, please, I would like to see what the newest Spork 
is. Anyway, yeah, but okay. sometimes with software, you're in that same situation. What the heck does software V next look like? V current does great. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, God, we're going to go so many places. Sorry. <laughs> I'm meandering. So you're on the sales team for the company who's all in on this one technology you depend on. And it could be a Sitefinity. It could be WordPress. Because I know people who are all in on WordPress, people who are all in on Sitefinity, and people who are all in on, say, Umbraco. And yes, I just picked on CMSs. But pick your technology. But the salespeople now go, oh, our, our technology people said, we've got to use V8 or V9 or V100 or V2, V next, right? And so the salespeople are, uh, they're going out and say, we're, all right, we need to upgrade. And as a client, you, you're pro- they're probably going to stare back at you and go, wait, why? What's, ro- what's wrong? First off, what's wrong? with what we got. Well, nothing is wrong, says the salesperson, except it sizzles. It's great. It's better. It's a better experience. But we're happy with the experience we've got, uh, Bob or Kevin. That's a hard sales thing. Oh, it's super hard. I've have, I've, I have known, I have friends, doing air quotes, I have friends that have a hard time, uh, <laughs> have a hard time getting people to upgrade when they need to. Right. So if there's no need because they, I mean, actually are legit happy with the product that they have. And I'm actually, I've been in that spot too with various pieces of software. I don't need anything more. I have, I have bent this to my will or integrated it to the point where it does everything that I need. I don't need anything more. I'm a really simple guy. So Microsoft just dropped on us this week that they are no longer going to be supporting Windows 7 at, at some point in the near future. And I, I know, it feels like Windows 7 isn't that old, but apparently... No, Windows 7 is around. super old, dude. Right. So when a company says, okay, we've got Windows 10 or v.next, guess what? Now we're going to start pushing the support for the old stuff into the over the cliff you, if, you know if it breaks that's you that's a you problem not an us problem so it compounds um because microsoft they want to start pushing say training certifications etc for the new stuff because that's hey let's be honest that's a revenue stream right hey if i can sell you training on something we just invented can you put your phone on silent by the way oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to derail your train of thought, but your little vibrations are derailing my train of thought. Sorry, so I must must have direct feedback here with the microphone. Anyway, so when Microsoft you know releases something new, that's also a new revenue stream, right? They will sell you a new certification, new training, and they will also say, guess what? That old certification, that old training, no longer good. So there's now there's more pressure to get certified and get trained on something that's brand new that you didn't necessarily ask for. The salespeople at your company didn't ask for, but some third party is pushing you into adopting all this. Well, here's an interesting take, and it's going to end in a question that you're going to be forced to answer. So let's take Windows, for example. Windows, any major operating system, they have the they have the safety net 
of saying, you know what, we're going to sundown and then stop supporting Windows 7 because guess what? It's no longer secure. So you can't really fight that. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. all right, we're a security risk to the entire world if we keep using this. So, all right, I guess we have to upgrade. I guess we have to get recertified. I guess we have to do this. We have to do that. But if you're just making a product you know, user experience can always get better. Performance can always get better. But if there's, you know, even if your product is rock solid and not a security risk, you're still going to have to sundown it eventually because you want to move on and not have to have, you know, legacy support for that thing. Is that fair to the end user though? Because of your pursuit to just want to make new and better that you abandon a product that actually is better than okay. Uh, you want an answer, right? <laughs> well, I want your response to that is, statement. Is it fair? Fair. The world is not fair. Life is not fair. True. Fair it's, enough. The world is not fair. It's dude. a matter of who has the leverage and who can get away with what they can get away with. So if I have a product and I say, guess what? The old one's gone. The new one is the only choice you have. And you depend on me because you made a decision to put 75 to 100% of your business model based on what i what i'm feeding you why are you victim blaming here i don't understand (laughs) (laughs) then you have no choice in the matter you're gonna do it otherwise you're gonna have a business crisis at some point and go well guys we either have to do this or gals (laughs) gosh we need like i've learned my my wife my daughter say gals is not good even though lillian (sighs) Lillian and I do say we're the gal pals. So, okay, people of Earth, <laughs> uh, <laughs> whatever I'm supposed to use. Uh, anyway, my train of thought's totally gone. But anyway, it's it's about leverage. So if if WordPress says we're going to go with Gutenberg, which apparently is a huge that was a big deal thing just not too long thing. ago, and you're like, well, um, we either. We either push Gutenberg because that's what we do if we're all in WordPress shop or if we're a 20% WordPress shop, we kind of shrug our shoulders and go, yeah, I, that was fun. We'll, we'll make some with the old stuff until that just that candle burns out and maybe we'll come back to WordPress. Maybe we won't. Um, but what, what I keep trying to articulate here is WordPress and other places, they have cloud offerings. And these cloud offerings are a bit strange too, because if, I mean, the core files are hosted in these environments, what happens to those people when, no, we're moving on and, you know, do, what does the vendor do? They say, well, we're just going to stop at a certain version. What happens when the end of life of that version comes and it's in the cloud and you can't get a hold of these people? Are you forced, you can't force them to upgrade. What do you, what do you do? Well, that's a very interesting question, and and I'm sure that a lot of people will eventually have to wrestle with that because the cloud-based content management systems are relatively new. So the interesting thing is when you think about cloud-based content management systems, the ones that we're speaking to specifically had server-based, desktop-based versions prior. But if you look at something like a Squarespace or a Wix or a Weebly, those, you know, online website builders, they have no real versioning to be concerned with. They do control that 100% behind the scenes. Ah. So, So I start a cloud project with them and they upgrade it 
it doesn't matter shit to me that they've upgraded it because I just continue to just do my widgetized content blocks. Thank you for, for giving me this thought that I can't I forgot. And now I'm coming back to you. Perfect. Let's say you have a plugin for Photoshop. It's a filter. You're huge in the Photoshop community. You have this really cool filter that somebody can download. And there you go. And now Adobe has moved on. You really kind of screw that one guy or you force or person of earth. Damn it. This is terrible. <laughs> Pronoun police, come get me. Anyway, um, so you really kind of screw that person into either having to learn something new or you screw the end user who was using that plugin that has no real tie into Adobe or the guy or gal or person. Damn it. Who made the plugin. <laughs> All right, if I script now, I'm just going to go with it. Um, no, no, so, I like it when you correct yourself. It's way better. No. So really, let's say Bob was using this cool plugin for Photoshop made by Fred, and now Adobe upgrades. You're, the plugin no longer works. Fred says, screw it. I'm done chasing ever-changing technology. And Bob, you're out this filter. How do you feel? Uh, first of all, I'm really like a little bothered that Photoshop is all run by men, apparently, and all their developers <laughs> are men as well. Um, but <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, Kevin just told me I'm number one, by the way. Um, in the grand scheme of things, that is, a, that is a huge issue because there are ecosystems that evolve from the main ecosystem of the software project. And they, those software projects rely on those individuals to develop you know, add-ons, uh, packages, nodes, modules, whatever you want to call them, widgets. And when you do take a major upgrade like that with breaking changes with no upgrade path, you're losing part of your, or you risk losing part of your community ecosystem that makes your product better. And sometimes you might jeopardize yeah. a revenue stream for those people as well. Which... Comes also comes back to never, ever, ever hitch your cart to one technology, if at all possible. Diversify your your tricks, your your abilities as best you can. I mean, we we get stuck in these silos where, well, I'm a whatever programmer, or I'm a whatever developer, or I'm a whatever shop, and and that works until it doesn't. Um, so, well, but when you think day, of productivity tools, though, like when you're talking about the Photoshop's of the world and the Microsoft Words of the world, like those major upgrade paths with breaking changes that can't be upgradable, there's a lot of plugins, third party add ons for those that get orphaned every time something major like that happens. Yeah. And I have you ever, have you ever made a plugin? I, I can't believe I don't know the answer to this question. Well, you know, I'm, we're going to go with a really loose definition of plugin, but yeah, I've had, I've, I have developed and released third-party add-ons for some pieces of software. As okay. far back as, as far back as way back in the uh, Shockwave and Flash days, even. Oh wow! Okay, so I've I've made a fair They're amount. They're mostly weather-based, for the record. So, <laughs> hey, I love I love weather. That's not who wrong doesn't love weather. So, I've uh, made my share of plugins too. And when we, when those parent systems go through major changes, it's, it's exhausting. Um, especially when a lot of those plugins are non-revenue generating plugins. When the 
air quotes exposure points that you get for them are are plateaued um things like that so what ends up happening i think is a lot of that orphan stuff so let me transition to the next juicy question when an open source project um, goes through major changes do you feel that it makes it susceptible to being forked to to the people who are like nope we do like this and we want to keep it and we want to and you may have end of uh, you know said it's the end of life over here but we're going to keep it going because i've got x number of installs with n number of millions of users and i can't just let them go i so what do you think i i think it's that's a, a great question and an interesting concept i think reality plays out that no one has or not very many people have the stones big enough to take <laughs> that to take that that responsibility on like people talk a big game it's like oh they're changing everything. Well, we could just fork what they used to have. And then nobody steps up to the plate and does it. And it does eventually die its natural death. But in the same regard, when we're talking about the evolution of all of these cloud-based services and softwares as service, for lack of a better term, you can't really fork that because it's a, it becomes 100% proprietary at that point. Well, uh, oh, you could <clears throat> fork and you you could fork the the non cloud based version and rebuild your own cloud based experience, I guess. But once again, nobody is really willing to step up and take that risk. Well, historically, you know, Linux has been forked several times um, into different distributions and, and whatnot. Um, and then you could, and so if I look at my, some of my more popular plugins, people fork it all the time and do not send me a pull request. So part of it is, is are people forking it and doing some custom stuff to it with the intention of just keeping it in their organization. So you can fork something and not plan to maintain it publicly. If right. You know what I'm saying. You're so, basically just taking it. <laughs> you're, you're taking it and saying, we run this custom build of of a uh, Fortnite video game <laughs> on our servers. Right. Yeah, that'd be great if it was open source. Um, and, you know, we don't have the intention of, you know, competing with the, the original product. So I think it does happen because I know a lot of people who say, well, there's a problem with this version of whatever. In order for us to get it to work, we had to modify the core, the source, so they fork it, and then they're using custom DLLs that they have to maintain themselves forever and ever unless the pull request gets merged and if a pull request doesn't get merged they just have to maintain that for the rest right. of their life it basically just becomes their software at that point yeah and that, that's a trail of tears um in a lot of cases so um yeah i don't think anyone's going to really fork you know major stuff but smaller libraries I, people definitely do. Um, if you look at Petapoco, now Petapoco was open source and it was it's a smallish project. And I think they just ended up stopped supporting it. And then we had something uh, similar called NPoco that came out of Petapoco. So I think there are some, you know, cases where that happens and as far as the proprietary stuff goes. Uh, yeah, good luck with that. I think um, a utility is probably more likely to be forked and perpetuated than an actual full functioning entity of a software. Or yeah, a I mean, if they if if somehow Azure was open sourced, I people would just steal 
bits and pieces and <laughs> but not the whole thing so one of my plugins uh is mit and i've had several people comment to me like hey thank you for that you know um i stole this bit here this bit here and i use it over here i just want to let you know that i took it so i feel better you know so you don't like at least they gave you the heads up i'm sure there's tons of people yeah. who took it and didn't tell you oh yeah so there's plenty of flattery and then there's plenty of wait you did what <laughs> So whatever um, people who took your code used it to get a raise and didn't even tell you, thank you. Yeah. Um, so upgrade or not upgrade. Um, I, I think for me, one of the biggest drivers is return on my effort. So if I upgrade, what do I get out of it? You know, am I paying back technical debt? Am I, am I, uh, getting a new feature that we've uh, always needed. Um, is there a problem that is needs to be solved that I have? I right. guess that's an early yeah. question. I would say that it's it's almost a dead heat. Well, no, I, I think still security trumps it all. So does this yes. fix a security vulnerability? And then the next question is, does this solve a problem that I acknowledge that I have? And if I can't answer that question, I'm mostly just, I'm playing with it. I'm not introducing it to clients. So what's always the hardest period, it's a, it's a period of time between an, an old version and a new version as far as major changes um, is at what point do we, do we commit and, and uh, put the pole in the ground and lever ourselves over the chasm to the other side? And there's no going back at that point usually. It's once we make it, if we make it to the other side, that's it. This is our new life. Come you know, good or bad. So I, I remember, you know, going through some changes with some other products and I want some of the other people to step on the landmines before me to be completely selfish. Well, but I think that goes back to the reputation thing that we were talking about. Like if you know that, that when, when they say shiny new number dot zero is out and you know from experience that, within a short, short, short window of time, there's going to be the I'm sorry dot one release. It's like, why would you jump on? And, but my question is, is like the companies that do this, they have to know their egos cannot get so much in the way that they don't know this about themselves. Like, why don't they change their, their behavior? Because it, it only takes but a week for someone, usually hours for someone to say, hey, you know, this is still actually still jacked up about your new dot zero release. I, I think uh, it's because I think they, if they can get away with it, they will continue. It's that simple. <laughs> so long as they can, they will. Because it's so easy to just say, well, let's release it and let, let's crowdsource our QA, essentially is what you're doing. Let's let masses find the bugs. Oh, we've got this issue tracker over here. Throw it in over there. Uh, we'll prioritize it. Oh, we can't replicate it. Must be a you problem, not an us problem. We'll we'll go on to the next issue. You know, uh, Microsoft's really terrible. But I don't know if you ever read any of the Microsoft like I don't even know support forums or whatever no, they are. I try they're to just stay like, out of there. <laughs> oh, they're the worst because they're pretty much like, "Hi, my name is blah blah blah." Thank you for reporting this incident two weeks ago, and we can't replicate it. 
Thanks. We're closing this ticket immediately. Yes. Wait, did you, what? Did you reboot? <laughs> Is it plugged in? Closed. Yeah. Um, not to pick it on them, but because I really like the product, but TechSmith, they make Camtasia. They have like a feature request board. Same thing there. They're just kind of like aloof about feedback and and hey this is broke this doesn't work or what what about this feature and people upload it and uh, again it doesn't really matter how many votes they get because it doesn't fit in their business model to spend time on whatever so out <laughs> yeah hey are you so, ready for a giant tangent here yes let's do it so i don't know what the hell i was doing the other day but i ended up looking up something about obs because somebody was talking about a Twitch stream and they had a link to the stuff that they use. Remember one of the biggest things that we used to have a problem with OBS is when we had guests. Well, even just the two of us, we had to do some, you know, rigging to get the second video feed in. Like it was a copy of a a monitor. I was screen uh, shotting in real time another monitor. something right so apparently as soon as we got out of the game there was an mpi plugin developed for obs and it basically allows you and because skype is an mpi format entity you can actually embed the mpi stream from skype into obs so there's no need for an extra monitor for capture it's it becomes its own video source so it's kind of like the virtual camera that we yes. were using for, for for the virtual camera. Okay, so it's a virtual screen, essentially. Yeah, but it's an actual direct streamed source from... <sighs> That's it. We're going back to YouTube. You know, I was in the article <laughs> was about a guy who streams on Twitch, and I was like, man, if we went back to video... No, we're, first of all, wait, cut that shit right there. We are never, ever, ever going back to YouTube even though you can find audio broadcasts of this podcast on YouTube. Um, <laughs> but until they find out, until they find <laughs> out, right. We're violating their rules probably. But uh, yeah, no, we're never going back to YouTube. Uh, I also heard, wow. I'm now I'm doing tangent guy. Uh, Rogan was talking about like the, the beauty of podcasts and how nobody tells you what to say and they can't like, you know, it's it's kind of free speech for the most part, and I was just remembering all the all the shit we had to deal with with YouTube. <sighs> yeah, I'm I. I don't yeah. regret that shift at all, not one bit. I don't either. Um, I want to do video again one day, but if we do, it'll have to be on a, on an alternate platform, and it'll be like a. It's gonna have to be like a. a it's like a Rogan thing where we record us doing a podcast. Right. Just to broadcast the audio. Yeah. Exactly. But it That'd would be, be nice to be live again. I wish there were more. I wish there were. I wish live podcasting without video was more popular. It's called radio. I think you told me that once. It is, yes, <laughs> yes. Yes, Kevin, that is called radio. I do remember saying that. Damn it. <laughs> hate it when you throw my own words back at me. Zinger. Yes. Uh, all right. So, um, have we, have we covered the upgrade topics or do we want to, since we've, we've separated, do we want to go in a different direction today? What, what's, what's new, I guess. 
well, the government's still shut down. That's interesting. Mm. Yeah, you see all the SSL certs uh, starting to expire because it's apparently January, and apparently that's when they redo them. And oh, there's nobody to, to renew them. Oh, renew them. Fuck. So I've seen Troy Hunt tweet a bunch of .gov, like <laughs> Department of Justice, you know, like subdomain somewhere expire. You know, do not trust this site. Blah blah blah. I'm like, oh, this is great. Just great. I'm a little worried about the whole tax season thing. I know they brought some people back, but that's still a very manual people-focused process. I'm worried about taxes, but I bet you Intuit and TurboTax and H&R Block, I bet you they're worried about it. Well, but you can still submit. But the problem is, is a lot of those services, you can sign up to get your check cut through them. And so they're basically floating a loan that they think they're going to get paid within 30 to 45 days from the U.S. government. And this shit might not work. Oh, I, well, I can't believe we turned the government shutdown into a technology topic. Good on us. Good job. Good job, Bob. <laughs> so um, I've been doing a lot of automation lately on DevOps. Do you use um, Azure DevOps or anything? No, no I do not. I barely so, know how to spell it. So I've been tweeting about it lately and it's just so great because I folk, I mean, it, it's a bit of an effort to get set up, but once you do, all I do is push to when I want to update my develop branch, I say, get push origin develop. And when I want my develop code to show up on the staging, I say, get check out staging, get merge or uh, develop, get push to staging. And then when those get to the source control, everything is magical and it just shows up in all the environments deployed exactly as I scripted it out and it's magical. And then at the uh, request of our client, they can say, Hey, we like what's in staging. Can you promote it to production? I say, get checkout production, get merge staging, get push origin production. And a few minutes later, they have, the production sort and it's just so nice because but so builds. you have a bunch of stuff behind the screen behind the scenes that goes on when you issue those commands well so those are just typical get commands yeah get commands and so what happens is you know they get hub is updated something notices through a webhook on azure azure says ah let me check out that new code it runs a uh, a build so ms build and then uh, it runs unit tests, if any exist, and then it drops it on a Azure uh, slot of my choosing um, when I need it to go. And what's really nice is you can put in gates. So I'll push to dev and staging, and they just show up on the servers. That's it. But if I push to production, everything happens except for one spot. It says, okay, I'm ready to put it on the server, Kevin, but I won't until you push this shiny button right here. And I push that button. And then it shows up on the server. So it's gated. And that's so nice. Um, and this is more than just web. These are Windows services on virtual machines. These, uh, these are some very cool things. And I pimped Slack. So I have all these bots. And basically when something happens, when these Windows services start up on this server that I no longer have to remote desktop into, that they, they say hello to me and say, hey, Kevin, <laughs> I am alive and I just started up. And Oh, that's cool. And so it's very chatty. So I, I have to mute my own bot channel because they want to talk all the time. <laughs> but um, it's, it's so nice to be able to set it up once and then all I have to worry about is coding. I don't have to worry about deploying. Um, the only real friction these days I have is 
database upgrades because I'm so paranoid. Because when I write something and we're using Entity Framework, which a year ago I would have told you I hate it. I hate Entity Framework. But now the needles come over. I still don't love it, but I, I can def, I can get along. We, we can we can show up to work together. It's That's a necessary fine. evil now. Yep. Uh, because I used to do the Petapoco and Poco thing, but now I'm like, okay, I know how to entity framework as a verb much better now. Um, but the one thing that always scares me is migrations because, you know, I'd, they have this thing where you can automatically upgrade. So if the DLL's there, it detects, oh, you've got a new version. Just do whatever's in there. That's just scares me. So I still curate the the migration. So I I don't, do my own SQL commands, but I tell it to, okay, go ahead and execute the migrations and I watch them. I babysit. So I could automate those, but I'm just too scared to not, or to, to let it just work. That was a so, good upgrade topic right there. Talking about true. upgrading tables and whatnot. That's true. So, Hey, speaking it's a, of upgrades though, did you, are you, did you get the new version of uh, Git extensions? Are you still using Git extensions? Uh, I, I, I do use that and no, I have not. Is there any version? I think I so. It's like two, one, two or something like that. But the UI, it's got some UI polish. I'm, I'm, I haven't decided yet. I'm, I'm checking my, uh, my headlines here on my phone here. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of the, some of the things that have been going on. Oh, you have Netflix, right? So apparently I do there's, have a, Netflix. there's a price hike, but I can't. Yeah, but they announced I'm, that months and months and months ago. So since I'm currently Netflix Netflix less, what is the what's the going rate these days? I think it went from uh, uh, I think it went from eleven ninety nine to fourteen ninety nine. I think and people are worried about three dollars. Uh, yeah. Well, but they knew it was coming. Well, for fourteen ninety nine, which is the price of one cheap DVD. Or Blu-ray, I guess these days shows shows how long it's been since I've actually bought a physical disc. People, you can get unlimited streaming for an entire month, and right? the content is so good. The content is so. Oh, good. speaking of which, did you do Banished that yet? No. Oh, I that's right. You're Netflix list. God, I isn't it amazing? Like the, the quality of stuff on Netflix is better. To, in my opinion, better than what's on the big screen these days. Is, is yeah. that, that no? Nope, I, I think that's super fair statement. So, just today, speaking of upgrades, still along those lines, um, I was looking at what I'm doing currently for my media streaming, and so I've I cut the cable years ago, but I I got hooked on Sling TV, and Sling TV is really good, but. I found that I'm really only watching AMC on Sling TV. Because mm. I have I have a digital antenna. But I also with Amazon Prime, you get Prime Video. And then with Netflix, the content on Prime Video is just as good as Netflix. There's so many really? good shows. There's so many good shows on Prime Video. Like all original content too. It's not like it's not like I'm watching stuff that's made it onto prime video or stuff that's newly on Netflix. I'm watching Netflix original content and prime original content. They're so good. All right. So here's my dream setup at home as a cord cutter. 
an Apple TV. I love my Apple TV. Yes, I just said I love an Apple product. Well, right, but you get those same services. You could do Sling, Netflix, Prime, all on that box. But I get, but I buy all my movies in that ecosystem. Right, so. right, 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 right. So on-demand movies, yes. Yeah, so I've got way more than I care to admit, but we, we stockpile them under my username. we got a ton of movies. The Netflix apps are not all created equal. So the Netflix app in... Apple TV is amazing. Roku, I have one of those. Good stuff there. So, but you would rate you would rate the app experience on Apple TV versus Roku for Netflix? Is Apple TV higher? Yes. I, I would rate almost everything higher on Apple TV. It's just it just feels more quality. But the thing that really sucks is a fire stick. You ever use one of those fire sticks that plug into the HDMI ports? Hell no. Absolute garbage. They have like <laughs> no processing power, no memory. So when you use the like Netflix app, it's, they, everything wants to freeze. It's just garbage. Do yeah. not do it. It's too small. Um, so so I have an Apple TV. I have a Roku, and of course I'm not using any of these while I'm living in the basement waiting for my house to be built. So I'm. Um, I'm recollecting from a few months back. Um, but the Apple TV, here's the life hack, and I hope I'm not admitting to any crimes here. Um, <laughs> uh, my mother-in-law, and you know, she has DirecTV. I do not have DirecTV. She does. And I live in her basement. So what she does is she can log in to the Apple TV um, into, like, say, A&E, History Channel, this, well, yeah, uh, if you have a provider ID, then you can yeah. get those things. yes. That is the cat's meow, man, because that's now you got History Channel. Not just I can just watch History. I got History Channel on demand. Everything that they got here, what show you want, what episode, there you go. Boom. That works really well. So we had Sling TV, and I, I actually really did like Sling TV. Um, so I, I can't hate on that. Um, so that, that's oh, a good choice. I love it too, there. but I'm just not watching it nearly as much as the other two. That's the thing. Well, when we had it, and it was like when it was very beta and it just launched, you had History Channel, you had like A&E, you had AMC, but it kind of fell off real quick to like True TV and all these like stupid... Oh yeah, no, the depth know. of content is not very deep on there at all. Yeah, so... Uh, and, um, and AMC has a, a service now. Like, so you can do, like, I think it's called AMC Plus, and it's just an app. And so you could, and I'm sure it's not as much as Sling TV because it's just one channel, but I'm actually, I'm contemplating that. Oh, and back to the Apple TV, the, uh, the HBO Now or Go, whichever yes. one of I have that app, too, is, I guess. That app is really good. Yeah. Um, definitely the way to watch uh, Silicon Valley or uh, Game of Thrones for sure. What else uh, cord cutter stuff? Because we've been, shoot, we've been off the grid since like 2012 now or whatever you call it, cord cutters. I mean, it's been a long time, it feels like. And the wife kicked and screamed while I pulled her away from DirecTV back in the day. You know, because it's really easy uh, to sign up for DirecTV until you hit year two when the rate <laughs> doubles and you're in a contract. So I, all I have to do is typically remind her, honey, Remember year two? And she goes, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, DirecTV is a great offering. It's just way overpriced. It's just way too much money. Are you putting a digital antenna in the new house? Um, so we've used an antenna. We use bunny ears here in the area. And we don't have to do... So it's really weird. People say, well, I have to buy a special antenna. We've used... I mean, it's, it's a piece of copper wire. And then you don't have to buy anything special. We've never had to buy anything special. We bought the cheapest bunny ears. We can get full HD over you the You get air. DTV over the air with the bunny ears? Absolutely. 
Wow. I guess Indiana's really flat. <laughs> it is. I'm in a um, river valley, so I have to have an antenna up high. So I, I do have a uh, ATSC tuner box that will turn any like computer monitor into a television for over the air. So, you know, you, you hook a, a bunny ears to this, a coax input, and then it has HDMI out, and then you change the channel on this little box. Right. And anything that can take an HDMI input, guess what? Um, you know, here's your here's your signal. So you can actually record out of that and, and whatnot. So uh, yeah, I love being a cord cutter. I love Netflix. I love full disclosure. I've had Prime forever, and I hardly ever watch anything on there. So there's there's the man in the the high castle. I man think. in the high castle. Yeah, I'm gonna start watching. That's on my list right now. We're trying to get through Orphan Black. So that's but Orphan on Black. What was that? Is that on Amazon? Yeah, Orphan Black is on Amazon. And then uh, Mr. Robot, but that's not an Amazon original, but I think Orphan Black is an Amazon original. Hmm. Mr. Robot's really good. When you get back to where you have access, Mr. Robot, for sure. So to take it a little nerdier, so we're building a house and we're plotting out where we're going to do our uh, data lines through the house because we're going to do power over Ethernet security cameras and things like that. So we, you only have one cable. That's both your data and your electricity all in one line. Um, we're going to wire up most of the entertainment and computing areas with a hard line because Wi-Fi, we love you, but we know how you can be. Um, so we're going to go hard line uh, as best we can. The Wi-Fi is really going to be for your mobile phone and for guests. Everything else is uh, you should probably plug yep. in somewhere. Put a cable on that. So uh, those are the some, some of the things we're trying to figure out. Uh, do you have we a roof have, yet? No roof yet. We, we have a first floor. Uh, they're working on uh, part of the second floor, uh, which is going to be the office slash music room. Um, in our basement, we do have a theater. So in the theater, we are contemplating, or I'm, we, me, Kevin's got to figure out how to best do the sound and the projector so I don't have cables everywhere. I want to do wireless Bluetooth is great for wireless, but it's terrible for fidelity. It's for the audio files because the bandwidth. Um, but I think I'm going to give in to that because I think no, it's going to be good get Sonos, <laughs> get Sonos speakers. All right. Maybe, maybe we need to talk about that. Um, I need to get a data line in there uh, so I can get my Apple TV and digital sources, you know, connected or close to the projector. So well, if you're going to, if you're going to hardwire, just run a wire and put a switch in the theater. 16-port switch, and you're good to go. Yeah, um, um, yeah, we'll compare notes. Because, okay. uh, we, gonna a, we can do an episode on that, too. You're probably going to be one of the first house guests I have, so long as you don't actually disappear to Colorado uh, before then. So. When's you, when are you expected to be done? Well, I'm hoping to be... Coming to you live from Studio 1A. 1A. Um, <laughs> maybe a late April, early May. Oh, I'll still be here. Okay. If not, I'll come back because I definitely want a tour of the uh, tour of the new digs. Studio 1A. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're we're uh, going crazy living in a in a basement as a family of five, sometimes six. Uh, definitely ready for the new house. Yeah, we've done. done that. It was definitely challenging. I'm I'm surprised we've 
we've gotten along so well. The biggest drawback is data, which we, we kind of foresaw would be a problem. But I work at the coffee shop most days of the week um, to get the best internet. <laughs> Who would know? The best internet in the, in the damn city is in the coffee shop. And it's, it's, a, it's a locally owned one, too. So it's not like, you know, a Starbucks or anything. It's, no, they got their priorities in line. That's good. Yeah, so uh, I just feel weird because I spend eight hours in a coffee shop, you know, and the owner's always in there. I'm always, like, worried that, I'm like, gosh, like, why is this dude here all the time? Do they know you by name yet? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, good. Oh, good. Um, they even, I don't even order anymore. They just say what size. <laughs> so so we're, we're, uh, we're good. And by the way, uh, what I order is a tall almond latte, which is very low calorie, very nutritious, very good for the weight loss competition, which Bob, do we, we did wanna... you just hit your microphone with your fingers? You did. I did. Did you get <sighs> <hear> that? Yes. <laughs> I don't know how to podcast. Who let, me on the, who let me on this podcast? <laughs> Ah. Anyway, do we want to do, do a uh, weight loss challenge update? Yes, this is going to be the uh, this will be the consolation uh, update <laughs> episode. Uh, last I heard from Kevin, he's probably going to weigh in for the second week in a row, which was the terms of the the challenge. He'll weigh in tomorrow below one seventy. So congratulations, round of Yay. applause! Yay! I am not doing terribly but i did not drop the weight nearly as fast as kevin i still have about seven to eight pounds left to go to hit my goal but i still might come close by the end of the month but anyway it's been a great experience i dig it how about you uh i'm glad we did it uh tomorrow i think we'll be we'll be out of the bonds of competition but i think we'll be into a new era of being able to i think manage input output that <laughs> sounds kind of gross but um <laughs> it's really what it boils um, down to though no but i i think i got educated on how to quantify and how to plan it, as opposed to going yeah i think i'm hungry yeah i think i'm good i yeah i think you know i lost you know whatever or yeah i think i'm good on cat you have no idea until you quantify because the last couple of days i'm like holy crap i'm out of calories and it's just now dinner time man i've been and munching all day or whatever because i'm i don't like to lie to myself on the calorie thing so i'm like oh yeah i had a bunch of cereal for a snack damn it so i put it in there i'm like ah, oh, i don't have any calories left so those are the days yeah. that i track when i know i'm fucking up i start to track so i know but like if i'm doing one of my standard meal days i've got that dialed in pretty well on the the portioning and the calories and so question when is the last time that you weighed this little um, prior to 2010. And the reason I picked that year is 2010 is when I became a civilian again. So you were pretty light when you were in. Yeah. Um, in service. Our army fighting weight was 165, 170. I mean, I'm, I'm right in the zone. I, 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 I don't know how I look, but this is what I looked like in the military. Probably had a little more hair, um, <laughs> actually more hair on top, less on the sides, but <laughs> running the high and tight yeah i can't i was telling caroline earlier today i don't really remember the last time i weighed this little 
you know, and really? I still got, I've got seven pounds left to go. Yeah. This is probably the lightest I've been in, in a very, like, we're probably talking close to 20 plus years. Wow. Because I remember seeing you at a uh, conference one year where I think you were pretty, I weighed 170, light. I weighed 175 then. Okay. And I am 173 right now. Nice. So yeah. And I, I had worked my ass off to get down to that 175 before that conference. Yeah, I think uh, in 2015, um, I think it was 2015 or 2016, I got an elliptical and I ran my butt off. It's whenever we saw each other in San Diego. Right. And that that was my last time that I had any semblance of feeling like I lost weight, but I was still 182, something like that. And now I'm 12, 13 pounds under yeah, that. You're 169, so... Yeah, I'm going to be happy when I get down to 165 and I don't think I'm ever going to go back. I think I think if I could I think I can easily hang wherever I end up stopping cuz I'm not like you and I are both doing it this way. We're not really like cutting weight. We're not we're not sweating it out. You know, we're not just dropping water weight. We're dropping weight weight. So, I think I can stay wherever I end up. I threw away a lot of clothes. So, good for you, man. I well, I guess I donated is the right term. Goodwill. Right. Um, so I feel in my mind, I'm that committed that I'm, I don't need those clothes. I'm, I, <laughs> this is the new me and I want to, all I got to do is maintain and I will keep tracking my calories because yeah. why, why wouldn't I, you know, I want to know where I'm at. I want to know that, okay, um, today I splurged. So I need to work out uh, as soon as I get home. I've done that for, we've gone to the steakhouse in town. Right. And be like, Oh man, I had a six ounce sirloin, three rolls. You put that in there, you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go run this afternoon. So, yeah, I can't remember the last time I actually just had bread. It sounds so good. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I'm gonna go just destroy tomorrow. It might be a pizza. <laughs> I don't so, know. all right. So after you weigh in and you do hit the goal, you're gonna celebrate, huh? You're gonna, you're gonna blow one out. Well. Because um, 1,700 calories is on the deficit. So I think I guesstimated for me to be on a parallel maintenance maintenance trajectory, like 2,300 calories. And I um, couldn't even imagine putting 2,300 calories in my body right now. (laughs) When I get close to 17, I'm like, I am so full. Yeah. I'm I'm definitely gonna splurge. It's, it's a Friday, you know. We used to do pizza night on Fridays in the fam. I just hope I can have some beers too, because I've actually reintroduced beer back in because I just love it so much. But uh, I'm still I losing. Would, so I would love to have some beer. I just don't have anyone to drink one with, and <sighs> I, I, I'm not the drink by myself type. It's just there's just some depressing connotation there. So, well, I'm pretend drinking with you right now, even though you're not drinking. So I guess technically I'm drinking by myself. So I, I need a, I need a conference or a, a trip because <laughs> then I'll totally hit the airport bar and, and just think stuff. how cool it's going to be this summer when you help me move. We'll get out there. We'll have some beers on the verandas all over town. Veranda. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's, that's like saying Davenport. <laughs> Old people words. <laughs> I just say veranda because it was from uh, airplane, I think, or one of it, or no, it wasn't airplane. It was the, the one where he was the detective and he it was right in the same section where he said nice beaver and she brought down the stuffed beaver off the shelf 
he said, can I kiss you on the veranda? And she said, the lips will be just fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I say veranda. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> And that's a typical Bob story right there. Three minutes for no purpose. All right, Bob, have we left anything uh, uncovered? Not anything that we can't pick up next time. All right, Bob, I think we just have one more piece of business. We need to. We're going to bring in the upgraded lightning. 